Hi, welcome to the Heal My Podcast with Stephen and William. Um, today, our subject matter is kind of going to be on revenge, justice, mercy, compassion, anger, these kind of um, concepts, I guess, that we as human beings um, battle with every day or deal with every day. Like, um, from simple things, I guess, like driving down the road and getting road rage and feeling like you have entitlement to be angry at someone else to, I don't know, big betrayals, you know, um, friends um, stealing from you, for example, or, um, you know, these big concepts. I think we're probably just going to organically go through different types of um, subject matters, I guess, really. Do you think it's worse when a friend robs you or when a stranger robs you? Oh, a friend. Oh, actually, no. Now, 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 now see, I'm not see, sure. See, you just said that and my brain has gone, yeah, but then you know the person, so it's not as creepy. Whereas if you're in your house and a stranger comes into your house and steals everything, it's a huge violation of your, like, let's say you're asleep and then you wake up and everything's gone. Like, because that does happen. Or someone, or you wake up and you hear people, someone banging around downstairs trying to steal your stuff. That's a huge anxiety-inducing experience. Like, if, it's a, if it's a friend, then obviously your friendship takes a hint. But you might be able to work it out in time and you know regain their, or they regain your trust. And whether they give you your stuff back or not is, is not so much the point. Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't been in that situation myself. I have um, been robbed by strangers. I, yeah. In the crypto I world, have, anyway. Well, yeah. That's a, it's a good place to start. This, um, because again, if we're talking about again revenge and mercy and justice, what do you do if a friend steals from you, or does something, or does something that, or does, maybe not even steals, does something that hurts you? Yeah, take advantage That's of probably, your trust. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give this example because actually it's a very funny anecdote. Um, so, kind of yeah about this subject. So I was on a night shift. Um, you know, probably like ten, literally probably about 10 years ago, um, I came home, I stayed with, a, I lived with a friend, um, went into my room and I noticed something was, wasn't right. Something, I felt something was missing from my room. And now I had this toy unicorn that a very dear friend from America had given me. Now, yes, it, it, as a toy, it's just matter, ultimately. It's just atoms in a way, but it's sentimental value to me. And the night before, my friend and another friend got really drunk. And what that other friend had decided to take that unicorn and cut its head off. Like took a knife and cut the unicorn's head off. Don't ask the deeper psychology of why they probably just were like peed off about something. I don't know. Now it was gone. So I said to my mate, I was like, where is it? What's happened? And he's like, oh, well, so-and-so has, um, you have to speak to so-and-so. And I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, I'm not going to say what's happened. So then I was very upset. I was like, look, that's, we've got in, they've got into my room, my personal space, and taken something that belongs to me. And at this point, I didn't know what was done to it. Went down to this person's, where this person lived and was like, what's going on? And they're like, it's really bad. And I'm like, what's happened? It's like, it's really bad. I'm, and they're so apologetic. They're like, I'm so sorry. I was really drunk. And I'm like, what? And he pulls out again. It's, it, it, it was, I was both laughing and crying at the same time, like this headless unicorn, fluffy bits. And I'm just like, this is really bizarre, but really funny at the same time. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I'm gonna try and stitch it back together. I'm like, no, no, just give me it, and it's fine. And it was very difficult. Like I was really angry. I, I I'll be honest. I want to punch the guy. Like I literally that that physical desire to punish someone. Um, I really just wanted to lever him um, because, again, how dare you go into my room? How dare you take something of mine and destroy it? Um, but, you know, they were pretty apologetic. And I asked again why. And he said, I don't know. It just kind of happened. And again, being drunk is not really an excuse. Yeah. But if they are my friend, I guess I'm more lenient on them. Um, and then I just took it and went away, stitched it back together, and I still have it to this day. It's still there, and it's still an interesting story of, like, funny story, but also how have I approached that? Because most other people probably would have led with him. Most other people actually probably would have just been, like, mental, gone mental at them. 
is the unicorn fixed or can you still see you can see it's, it's got stitch it's got stitches yeah. around it. <laughs> i'm not a good sewer it's it looks terrible like I, I did use what i did i did use white though so it, okay. it, 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 it white so it blended in yeah uh, but yeah no, that's a good example um so i have no experience with being drunk but i hear it it frees a lot of things that you usually suppress yeah and i guess yeah, anger really, is one of those things yeah maybe, maybe they were angry about me about something i don't know um we, we, yeah. we played a lot of board games risk we played a lot of risk at the time and i think that there was an underlying grudge maybe about... i heard that risk can ruin friendships yeah so yeah well again luckily it's not ruined any of mine but like yes it can um and it might have just been underlying tension from a battle we previously had or maybe i started in the back at some point or vice versa and that's the uh, and because there, there was a lot of jokes slash not jokes around the risk stuff maybe seek deep down they just didn't like me as a person maybe yeah. deep down actually they didn't like me um because that happens as well with friendships like you, you become friends for a while and then later on you just don't like each other as much or something um i, I think anger is often um such that you don't know where it comes from because if you did then it wouldn't take you long to figure out how to get rid of it. Yeah. So I, I, maybe that's more of a theory, but, but uh, when I think about the times I've been angry, the, the times that have been most severe is when I just had no idea where it came from. And it yeah. might have taken months or years to then understand. And understanding it and going through it rationally is often my method of processing it and getting rid of it. I don't know if that's the same for everyone. I think, I think, well, again, everyone's different. Some people just lash out straight away. Some people will bury it for months, years, and then it will explode in a big force of rage yeah. that's, that's unrelated to the anger potentially. Um, some people never process and just, yeah, they just become, I guess, maybe just more tense over their lives. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think, yeah, like, I guess in terms of that specific situation that I went through, it was kind of easy for me to, it wasn't a massive thing ultimately. Ultimately, it wasn't a massive thing. So like in, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't to me actually, it was a big deal, but it also wasn't a big deal. Again, you, that logic, that logic comes in and you try to just be like, because again, I could have been angry. I could have been frustrated, but I was just like, eh, whatever. It's, again, it's that acceptance things happen, there's no point in holding on to that negative energy. Yeah. Um, so that's being but, rational. If you're able to yeah. think about it that way, then you're halfway yeah. through the healing process. Yeah. Um, taking the bigger perspective, the, the, uh, the bigger picture perspective is, is often helpful for me to, uh, for example, okay, that's, if I lose money, yeah. then at the time it might hurt a lot. But in the future, when I'm more wealthy that money is not much anymore yeah but is it so just a question is it the money that's lost or how you lost it because again we, again feel free not to go into anything any details if you don't want to mm -hmm. but we've talked about this kind of stuff within the crypto world so that, that, that's also a, a not obvious question to me because if if there's something that i could have done better like if i just had known better how this works or if i had more information yeah. then maybe i wouldn't have made that Poor choice and lost the money. But if it's stolen from me, I guess in the crypto world, you're always responsible for every mistake. So even yes. if you fall for a scam, uh, you, you should have, well, you can tell yourself you should have known better yeah. to see the red flags. Yeah. But I suppose it is, it is possible for someone to rob you, even though you were pretty well informed. So what I'm trying to say is um, if the, there are different levels of responsibility that I take for losses. Yeah. The and the more responsibility I take, I think the more it hurts. Uh, yes. So it's similar to the question to am I being robbed by a friend or by a stranger? Because, um, yeah. you know, do I trust this process or this person? And, and if it is my choice, then I also feel more responsible for the outcome of the choice. That's interesting. And mm -hmm. like, 
and, it, and in some situations, obviously that's not the case. Like in some situations, there is no, it's, it's all the responsibility is on the perpetrator. But right. for these kind of things, like, yeah, like the more responsibility, like that phrase you said, the more responsibility you take on the self, yourself, the more hurtful it is. And maybe that's why that most human beings don't take responsibility for a lot of their actions. Yeah. Some people take too much responsibility and yes. they're always miserable, you know, <laughs> and yeah. just blaming themselves. And some take too little, and those are usually people who are just always looking for fun. And you know, are, are a lot like children, where um, they don't make good judgment calls; they just follow their instincts, which has its advantages too. You know, I'm not oh, trying to be more like my yeah, inner child, but yeah. I'm also trying to have the judgment of an experienced person. So I, I try to take the the best of both worlds. Yeah and just be more uh, forgiving i guess yeah. for for what other people do to me and also for the mistakes i make because it only again it's cliche as heck and it's easy in theory and not so easy in practice but yeah. letting go and that forgiveness and moving past something because that pain of the experience and the hurt and again desire for justice and revenge only ever holds us us back. If we dwell on it too much, if we dwell on it too much, no one else is affected by it. It's us that's experiencing it. And again, it's 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 a it's such a difficult thing to do. Like it's it sounds so easy. Yeah, just let go of the thing, and then you can move on and get on with what you need to get on with, and your life will be more productive. But that hurt can just stay with us. Like things that, especially with memory and emotion being so connected. So let's say something traumatic happens to you as a child or as a teenager, 50 years later, a memory can trigger the emotion and it'd be just as painful and hurtful as it was. And so all that work you've done to try and forgive or move on or whatever just comes flooding back and you have to go through that process all again. It's a constant process um, that's brutal. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's totally normal to build yeah. up to build up this huge stack of uh, traumatic experiences, usually in your childhood, because I guess that's where you're not uh, in charge enough to deal with it productively yet. So children are- That's where it is on people's fault, isn't it? That's where it is. The yeah. responsibility actually is on, on people at that point. Yeah, yeah children suppress what they go through, and then it's sometimes mystical <laughs> where where the feeling comes from. We, we often say things like you, um made me feel this right you hurt me um so that that is saying you are the origin or the, the, the cause for something i'm feeling and that's not entirely true um because say say i was a, a clean slate I, I just had had none of these triggers or or hidden traumas then anything you did would just bounce off me or I would just be able to analyze it at a distance, like a Vulcan. <laughs> um, hmm. And so, but but on the other hand, taking full responsibility, like saying anything I feel, no matter what other people do, is my responsibility. I think it's also extreme. It's dangerous. It, it happens a lot to victims. Yeah. In, in certain situations, like, like rape victims, yeah. rape and stuff, they, where they, they they go their whole lives without someone saying it's it wasn't your fault. And it's like they, they have all this self-blame and all this, especially in the culture we live in, where we clothe shame and we body shame and we um, just put so much shame onto women and men, but again, mostly women. And no wonder that when something so horrific and disgusting happens, they blame themselves um, because society has projected so much of that into them from a young age when actually, no, it is 0% their fault um, when that situation happens. Another example that I at least come in contact with more than, than rape happening is um, divorce. So yes. children, I don't know how this works psychologically, but children usually feel responsible for their parents breaking up. And I guess that goes back to just the expectation uh, uh, the family structure staying intact, you know, children are highly dependable or dependent on their parents for their survival in the beginning. And 
whenever there's an argument between the parents, they feel threatened, even if it's not about them or at them, just because that is where my source of, of life is. <laughs> yeah. And so... And again, and again everyone we, we, in movies, in general population, even still now, after all these years, that marriage is, is kind of seen as it's put on a it's put on a pedestal. It's put on a pedestal. And you're like, actually, we don't need it. It's not structurally necessary to be happy and to survive and to um have support and a good structure. It's it's you know. It's not it's not needed it's a good want it's a nice want it's a nice beneficial thing if that's what people want and so but because it's put on a pedestal when it breaks down and when other people have it and you don't for example like again let's again, use, again personal experience here parents divorced when i was like seven or eight or whatever um at that stage it was still you know it's the 90s it was still in this country anyway it's still quite taboo um and Mum, bless her, you know, did amazing, did absolutely phenomenal under incredible circumstances. Um, but yeah, as a child, you're just like, why does everyone else have this and I don't? You know, that mother, father, just because that's the norm. If, if the norm was um, three mothers and three fathers in terms of just like uh, roles, then it wouldn't be as bad. You'd just be like, oh, okay, cool. Or if no one was married and it was all just like, you know, um, you're parents you know yeah. it wouldn't be the shock that it is I guess that so, trauma. Yeah. um yeah you're right if i think back to my childhood a lot of the fairy tale stories and films ended with people getting married or you know just finding love but you don't even have to go back that far right no also nowadays like i don't know how old the, the series numbers is but i really love that and it ended with one of the brothers getting married. I think the other one never quite understood his emotional blockade to commitments and to committed relationships. But one of them got married, and that was the final scene. So yeah, that that does show you, like they lived happily ever after. It is quite a, a strong ideal that we strive for, but yeah. it's it's very difficult to maintain. It's, yeah, and again, when divorce happens, let's say not even from a kid's perspective, from an uh, adults, there's a lot of blame that goes on. There's a lot of um, anger, a lot of hurt. Depending on again, every situation is different. Every like specifics of the divorce takes place, but it can be again a desire for revenge, justice. How much forgiveness do you get involved with? How much mercy? How much anger? You know, it's a lot to the individuals, but it's such complexity for us as humans with our spectrum of emotions. Like, it's quite rare to see divorced people being friends or just getting along afterwards. <laughs> they try. They often try sometimes. But, but fortunately, it is possible to just yeah. stay at a distance um, so that so that you're not confronted with the with the pain all the time. And that's um, it. It's the pain. That the pain's the problem, isn't it? It's the again, it's the emotional pain. It's the depending on who you are or what the situation is, what did I do wrong? Or um, yeah. could I have done better? And yeah. Again, the self-blame. Self-blame. And it's so hard to not be a victim. Like in the, in the sense of, you know, you're a victim of a situation potentially. But not let that become your identity. Yeah. Um, you, don't, I, you don't choose what happens to you, but how you respond to it. Yeah, to a degree. I'm definitely much on that. I'm definitely on that side of the fence. But again, the mercy has to come into it. And because again, everyone's different. So some people are going to, like, I, you and I may go for a traumatic experience and be like, okay, within six months or a year, we may process and move on. Whereas someone else, it may take 10, 20 years. They may never get through it, even if they tried every day with therapy and with medication and whatever, it still might be something that triggers them to have you know, PTSD and responses that are difficult. 
um, it's ultimately not our place to judge, really, I guess. Um, observe and help if we can, obviously. Um, but everyone is different. And then again, sometimes people need a nudge. It's, yeah, sometimes people get locked into, again, things like anxiety spirals and victim behavior, where it's always someone else's fault. That's such a common, um, we kind of talked about it a bit earlier, where not, even though the original situation that happened wasn't their fault, it's got them stuck in a victim mentality where anything that happens to them is someone else's fault. Right. Um, yeah, I, I can I can relate to that. Um, I still, I mean, it used to be worse, but still today, um, sometimes I see someone do something or, or say something and it, it triggers a pain inside of me. And I immediately think, you know, and the process that goes on is mainly subconscious and so fast that it just means to me that they hurt me. And so I immediately feel like I want to hurt them so that they stop doing whatever it was that caused the pain inside of me. But actually, there's, it, we're pretty independent. And what they did just triggered something that has been lodged in my mind for a long time. I don't know what it was at the time. Like I said, it went so fast that I'm, I'm not able to really acknowledge what's going on. So then I feel a pain and then I don't even think about the true cause. I just realize that they're involved somehow yeah. <laughs> and their involvement has to stop. And since I don't go around hitting people whenever I feel a pain, uh, I usually turn away. So uh, maybe that's what you were calling uh, taking the blame or, you know, I'm more of a, uh, what is it? Uh, a freeze guy rather than a fight or um, yeah. a flee. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I freeze up because I don't know what's going on. I'm not able to analyze the, the actual cause. And then I just try to unfreeze over time by, by getting some distance from the trigger. Yeah. And then at home, when I'm more or less in a safe space, I try to understand what just happened and understand how much is it my responsibility. Like, what will I do next time? Will I prevent this situation of ever happening again? I was in that situation a few years ago where I didn't want to leave the flat because something that with almost everybody outside was a trigger for me. Now yep. it's less so, but still there to a degree. Um, or am I going to expose myself um, to this threat? Yep. And just hopefully over time uh, get a better understanding of what's going on inside of me. Yeah. I think we get so lost in these things, like when a bad thing happens to us, traumatic, whatever, we get so lost because there's no conclusion to it. So you talked about earlier how what your response is, so, well, my, again, our responses are often, if someone does something bad to us, either we want to lash out and hurt them so there's some sort of um, consequence for them or that's, you know, the response. Um, but because in most of our day-to-day -day lives, there is no consequence for the perpetrator or the person who does something bad. Um, because I guess there's different ways of doing it. You know, again, back in the tribal days, you'd have a, a chief leader and you'd bring a, the, your problem to that person and they would make judgment. Again, we're talking about judgment here and we're talking about consequence and there'd be some depending on the tribe, you know, a vote or a, they just say, well, you did that wrong. Therefore you need to pay back six chickens as compensation for the thing you did wrong or whatever. And there was some tangible um, compensation. And then that, it was a, that was supposed to conclude it. That was supposed to be like, okay, that's the punishment has been done. Everyone move forward. And that allows that to happen, the person can choose not to, the person can hold a grudge and then go and get revenge themselves or whatever. But it was supposed to take away that endless cycle that can happen quite easily of desire for revenge and consequence. Mm -hmm. um, but our justice, again, inverted commas, because I don't believe there is any of these days, system 
really is is strange like yeah. like i've never had to really deal with it as such but i just constantly see friends or family have to deal with um i guess bad situations that i feel there should be a less complicated way of going to court and going to um having to get a lawyer and having to pay lots of money to get something resolved. Yeah, yeah it's so, sad when, if that's the only thing that you go to. But material compensation doesn't even take away the, the pain. Well, no, right? it, 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 it doesn't take away the pain, but it gives an opportunity, I guess, to feel like, feel like there's been some justice. Yeah. And it's supposed to uh, uh, deter others from, from doing the same. <laughs> but it kind of makes crime or you know violence uh, yep. a business transaction. <laughs> Just how much will this cost me if I slap you? <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. You're, you're very spot on there. It's very strange to me. That, yeah, um, it's kind of stupid. Doesn't really resolve it, anything. Yeah, local, local community, it, it shouldn't cost. To, to, have, to have a scenario judged over and dealt with yeah you can try to deal with yourselves but that yeah, often needs yeah sorry, go on. when two people are hurt they're they're not in their right minds so they can't be rational and so it, it makes sense for someone else to come in and help them yeah. find yeah. some way to, for them to just get some distance and yes i guess settle the score a little bit uh but to make it a, a huge um institution of the state, I think, is taking it too far. So you were talking about tribes, and uh, I believe uh, in, in many parts of the world that's still the case with the family or the tribe yeah. elders. And if someone with a responsible um, position that is trusted and impartial comes in and helps settle the immediate uh, fight so that they can be compensated, I guess, and then just work things out separately. But then the hope is that eventually they will work it out between each other as well. Yeah. That's so again, recent experience. Um, where I had to mediate actually had to mediate a situation like that where two parties offended and upset by situations that relate to each other. Um, and they one side wanted quick, swift action. And I am not that kind of person. I will take time to, to talk about things from both parties, take the perspectives, and then see what needs to happen. Um, whereas some situations do require a swift course of action. Yeah, I, I, I can think of one where, where I was involved. Yeah. Yeah. But go ahead. Well, again, that's kind of it, I guess, where like, yeah, like the problem was is that I ultimately had no authority in the situation. It was just devolved authority from them if they wanted it, if they want me to help. And I was trying to, um, but it went on for a good number of weeks and it all became a lot of behavior, unfortunately, became it. it degraded and it became very again lashing out and wanting wanting a punishment to have taken place where that punishment may have still been what did happen but again i wanted to get all sides of the story first and by the, by the time it got towards trying to resolve it i was exhausted and tired and broken by the lack of patience and the lack of understanding and the lack of compassion towards myself, not even about the situation, towards me trying to mediate and find a, a mature and healthy conclusion. Because again, it's, it's actually more about healthiness. It was more about don't let these things chew you up inside. Were, were, you, were you an uninvolved mediator or were you a victim? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 to a degree, yes, uninvolved to a degree. Okay. Um, again, I can't go into specifics for you know various reasons, um, but yeah, like, and so I was trying to be biased as possible, even though I was friends with both groups, um, and yeah, just managed to 
I think get it wrong. I think I, I think I, I think I got it wrong. I think if, if I'd done it quicker and swifter, maybe that would have been the right choice. But I feel like I kept my integrity in the sense that I stuck to compassion. I stuck to spending time to find out why people were behaving in certain ways and why they were doing things and give everyone a chance to talk to me and me talk to them before making a rash decision. Because rash decisions always, 90% of the time, lead to things becoming, getting worse. Um, bless you. So yeah, it's, it's, it's such a complicated one. And I guess that's probably why institutions within the government, well, within state have arisen because it's, it can be so complex to deal with that, that there almost has to be some compensation for the person who's getting involved um, for all the time and energy they've put into it. And then it just spirals from there into the system now that we have where in, in all honesty, the perpetrators are the ones that are now protected and the victims are the ones that suffer. Like, yeah, I, I think a huge problem with institutional justice systems is that it's actually um, a myth to, to think that the, the judge is impartial. Uh, you know, when you have these big corporate cases that they can be bribed, they can be a, a stockholder themselves of, yep. of an involved company. So yeah, if, if someone is, so the ideal is that the judge is impartial, not involved, that he is compassionate, that he uh, is thinking of the long-term consequences of the outcome. <laughs> but none of this just really happens. No, um, they, yeah, judges, they, they tend to be, um, have their own set of values even without any even without any external influence yeah yeah they right. have whenever, to whenever a, a supreme uh, court justice in america is um, is taken on you can pretty much predict most of their judgments yeah. and so they have i think nine justices and they just vote which yeah. is <laughs> kind of weird because and and the big decision like gay marriage or I don't know what else has been big in our lifetimes um, uh, are settled five to four. <laughs> yeah, it's always such a close vote that it's almost, yeah. <laughs> which just yeah. shows you how divided the, the country is and it, which is reflected by the judges and, and the, the parties in parliament. I think the, the party in power gets to suggest the judge and then, and then parliament has to uh, approve it that they like to stall until the next party is in power, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, again, this, 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 the system is so corruptible yeah. from the ground right up to the top that, yeah, and again, and so much money is involved. Again, if you can hire a, a very good lawyer that knows what they're doing, you can, like, again, in, in a case situation, moving away from that side of things a little bit for a second, um, yeah, you can easily defeat someone who's just trying to, like, got no money and can't, like, um, defend themselves in an articulate way or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and then you've got juries as well. You know, you've got a jury who of your peers, mm -hmm. who can be anyone random from the, you know, the same county or same country or whatever, however it works uh, with uh, jury duty. And yeah, I, I, I guess- yeah, I don't maybe... know how reliable that system is either. Yeah. It, it's kind of good to involve people random people because they're yes. less likely oh, to, to be involved. That's a better, it's definitely a better way. But again, but they, they can be swayed as well. Like yeah. yeah. Well, again, and also a lot of the interesting contradiction and juxtaposition of law is that it's supposed to be logical and um, the evidence is supposed to prove the fact beyond reasonable doubt. But actually, you taking away the actual experience of the victim because we are human beings and we experience emotion and the trauma and damage that are done to people again like a theft like actually their stuff being taken away and they're losing out on thousands of pounds for example is a bad thing but actually again it's more about the what the experience in the human experience of what they've suffered by the fact they've you know let's say they've worked like so much to save up that money or um, that was 
money they got from a family member dying that they wanted to save up to spend on something that they remember that family member by. Again, that emotional aspect to it sure. is quite clear. And you're like, no, that should actually be a part of it. It should, there should be some compassion involved. Because I think that's why, that's why I don't think that juries work is because you they most of them probably haven't experienced what the victim has actually experienced. Yeah. Does, so are you a fan of community service as a punishment? Yeah. It's not exactly what you're talking about, but it, it makes the person work rather than just yeah. pay well, with yeah, money. Yeah, definitely. Um, but also, I'm kind of a punishment should fit the crime kind of person. Yeah. So this sounds this sounds horrific, but um, maybe I shouldn't say it on camera. But again, let let let's use the again. It, it gets more complicated than this, and I understand it gets more complicated than what I'm saying. Um, but on a very basic, just looking at it through a small narrow window, is that men, all women that rape, would rape probably less if they understood what it felt like to be raped. Like, I think the numbers would plummet very quickly um, if they actually understood how that feels to have that situation happen to them. Or if a jury understood how that happened. Like, again, I'm not saying we, we should go and make them have that, ha that happen to them for them to be able to understand so that they can then help the, that's a bit twisted and, and messed up. But what I'm saying is that it's very, strange that we live in a society where people that haven't experienced what that person's experiences are meant to make judgment calls yeah on it like they're dissociated from a negative point of view not a positive point of view they yeah that's why we now have murderers getting out in you know five to ten years rapists getting out in two to five years and it's very strange. Like the damage that is caused by those situations, like most perpetrators go on to commit it again. Like that's the stats. So why are we so lenient? Like what's, what's happened? This is my question and I try to figure out every day in life, just how have we got to this point where we're so lenient on these horrific things? There's a Star Trek episode. <laughs> and you know, I love Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah, hey, there's lots of good stuff in there. Even though, even though it's in the future and it's in a distant part of the galaxy, they handle, they, they, go, they go through questions that we have in our society now. And, yeah. and one of the episodes is about justice system in a different culture. It's not us, it's, it's totally yeah. foreign. Um, which, um, oh yeah, right. Uh, the, the family of the victim gets to decide the punishment for the perpetrator. Yep. And that's a totally foreign concept, like you say, to us nowadays. Yep. But if you think about it, there are valid points yep. to that. Yep. I actually, I actually probably agree with that. I agree that actually, yeah, the victim should decide the punishment. Like, it's not, it's not actually anyone's place to judge except, except the victim. Yeah. I guess we are very like, science-based as to what weighs up what two things equate and uh, we're not taking the, the emotions of the, of the victim into consideration yeah. enough. It's, it's fascinating to me how that has happened. Again, we, we, we promote so, well, like news people, well not themselves specifically, but companies and the, all the stuff behind like say the news or media, social media use irrational emotion and insecurity and fear to project, to make people feel an emotion, an irrational emotion, a um, desire to go out and buy the latest handbag because it's going to make us feel better or whatever, that kind of concept. And that promotes it. Yet another side of society takes that away, it takes away the emotion, says we shouldn't feel an emotion in that situation. We should be logical, again, like the law situation and the evidence and whatever else. Um, it's very strange and like politics, for example, that is another institution that um, they use, I guess, charisma 
and Tom Foolery and Lies. Yeah, yeah rhetoric to manipulate a situation. And that's okay. They're not held accountable for their lies. Like, again, politicians lie all the time, and we know they lie. The evidence gets shown up in documentations, whatever, and there's no consequence for it. Like, how, what? Like, it's, it's fascinating. It's just, yeah. I'm going to link a, a video in the video description uh, okay. that I showed you before. That, um, that's, it shows a discussion or debate, you could say, between Matthew Perry and uh, a guy from England, I don't remember his name, about the majesty of the law, right? The, so Matthew Perry was, was trying to argue for compassion and mercy yeah. and trying to understand the root cause rather than just you know, finding a punishment oh, that fits the was crime. It, it was addiction related, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Since he's yes. an, a recovering uh, alcoholic, uh, he was trying to make the other person understand what it's like to be an alcoholic and, and to say, uh, so one thing I remember from the discussion is he tries as hard as he can to not take the first drink because yeah. that is what he's responsible for. After he takes the first drink, he loses yep. pretty much all of the control he has over what comes after that. And the other guy was trying to say that, no, there needs to be punishment, uh, quid pro quo. Uh, we can't just forgive people for what they did. We can't show compassion because that would deter people from um, repeating the crime. So you have argued for punishment. Uh, we have discussed uh, different ways to punish or, yeah. or where the decision should come from, how to punish. But on the other side, you're also a very compassionate person and try to understand not just the victim, but also the perpetrator, right? right? Yeah. How did it come to this? That's good. That's a good link. Yep. And I talked to American friends once and they said, yeah, our prison system is broken. Uh, we just, in, in American prisons, people who were criminals become hardened criminals. They just become even worse because of the crazy culture inside of prisons and, and the guards contribute to it as well. Um, yep. And I said, we're, I believe in Germany, we're not that bad yet, <laughs> where we still try to find uh, programs of rehabilitation for the perpetrator. Yeah. And I've heard of cases in Norway where they don't even put a murderer in prison, but just find a place for him to live outside of society so that he can no longer hurt people, or I guess yeah. so that he's not triggered. I'm, I'm not familiar with the case. So there are different approaches. And yeah. I, I think, yeah, you as the victim, if you're looking for a punishment, then ask the victim what punishment would be good. But if you're trying to find a way for everyone to be healed, and if healing is your ultimate goal, then just get some distance between the victim and the perpetrator, give them a chance to both heal, and I don't know. Try and, <laughs> and, and try, and try, again, and try and, find the root, try and find the root cause. So again, I, I love that you've linked this. So perfectly segued it um, into this side of the topic where, yeah, what, what are the root causes for these things? Um, I was maybe having this conversation or thinking about it recently, um, where, again, we so easily take the easy route, just dumping someone in a prison. Yeah, yeah, problem solved. That's like, as I, as I said earlier, I don't know that actually most people, when they come out, they reoffend within the first year or two easily. Um, and, and compassion, I guess what I went in this, the thoughts or discussion I had previously with someone, I was like, until we have a good enough system in place to help people, I think uh, punishment and judgment should be pretty harsh. Um, until we've used the mercy behind the scenes to figure out what's the best way and optimum way to rehabilitate offenders, um, letting them back into society before we've figured that out is what causes more pain and more and more victims and more struggle so there should be definitely a compassionate side of things where yeah like um i'm trying not to pick a too deep darker uh, topic for this um but yeah let's let's, let's 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 go with i guess like again theft and murder i guess the two prominent ones that are obviously dark but um 
yeah, when someone steals your stuff, what level of compassion yeah, should you have? Is it healthier to go up to that person and be like, I forgive you? You hear cases like- You um, shouldn't be a doormat. No, no, but you hear of cases with them, with, again, I'm feeling back to the forwards here, but with the murder stuff where someone, let's say their child gets shot in a gang um, fight or whatever, and they, they actually go up to the person who shot them and tell them they forgive them. Yes. And that, that actually, like they forgive the person who shot them. And actually the person who shot them has a bigger response potentially not always sometimes there are evil people out there who will just laugh at that and move on but often that they break down the person who shot that other person breaks down crying because they weren't expecting that level of compassion and that level of yeah. um because they themselves in a way are a victim they, they can be a victim because they've been, you know, their circumstances. Again, you can always try and get out, but again, especially in gang situations, um, if you've been in that from a child, that's your family. That's all you know is how to hate and fight and survive. Because we can't judge. Like, we've never had to be there. We're very privileged. We've never had to be raised in that sort of environment. Um, and so, yeah, a bit of love and compassion actually can go a long way. It, it can, yeah. It's, it's hard to decide when you should stop trying being compassionate, but I will link two stories uh, below that you remind me of. Uh, one of them is of a, one teenage boy driving drunk and killing another teenage boy, and then the father of the victim went through a depression because of it, but learned to forgive the driver and actually became friends with the driver and learned how much that boy was suffering and that he needed support and, and he gave it to him and then and so he would visit him in prison and just be kind of a, an adoptive father it's amazing people do want connection and, yeah. and resolution but sometimes a lifetime is not enough to obtain it you know yeah i think um again it's a very high level of human behavior to be able to put your own instincts aside and show that compassion. And no one should ever be forced to do that. Like no one, it should, no one should be like, oh, you should be compassionate yeah. on that. Like, <laughs> you can't force it, compassion. <laughs> but it should be promoted as an option more. Yeah. So I think in society, we're so used to justice, revenge, yeah. anger, as a solution to being hurt we kind of we, we kind of get excited by it like vigilantes and batman yeah. and those kind of things it, right. it, it, it empower it, it makes us feel empowered but then actually again you have other discussions about that where and like other you know superhero things where actually it turns the person who's trying to get justice into just as bad as the perpetrator because you're trying to get revenge you're trying to get all this um bad stuff where it's, it's all negative energy but again, if it's done with compassion, people see that as a weakness these days. It's not seen as strong as empowering um, in media and in books um, and within just general society. But I yeah. think that if we if we had a better way of promoting both, again, if the victim wants the person's head to be cut off, if they've you know, murdered a family member, then go for it. Like, if that's, you know, um, but they would that person would think twice about making that extreme choice if they were educated about again how compassion can work and how um love can heal um these wounds um but again it's so difficult it's not something that is easy beyond any shape of or and i don't even know if i could do it i'll be honest i, I let's say today if someone ran over one of my nieces um in a car yeah I don't know if at any point in my life I could forgive that person. I would, I, maybe I could, but I don't think so. I think I would like to hope I would. I'd like to hope that I would actually reach that level. But again, that's not easily done. So, but I'll, if there was more, 
edge case control. Go. Yeah, yeah, we should have better examples for that. I, I've also noticed in the media, like especially these, these crime shows, uh, how there is this thread going through them of like self justice. We mentioned nobody trusts the police and, and the justice system anymore, so they just want to take care of their own problems, which yeah. to a great degree is fine. Like we mentioned, that the tribal internal justice kind of yeah. makes sense sometimes, but just taking revenge it, it seems to be yeah. a common theme. And, and sometimes some more intelligent shows will, will discuss, is it justice you're looking for or revenge? You know, is this yeah. personal or are you actually disattached? And the person who wants revenge usually rationalizes it by saying it was justice. Someone needs yeah. to take care of this, this perpetrator. For this last segment, I want to focus on how this plays out inside of myself, inside of one person. There's also okay. a battle going on uh, for justice, for mercy, and, and self-love. And uh, I think you've dealt a lot with this question and have learned uh, about self-hatred and self-love. Yep. So what, what does it tell me? What does it say about me, about how I work, work and feel and think on the inside if I want revenge for someone else who directly or indirectly caused me pain? So, again, Dune, Dune quote alert, uh, all, all the rage at the moment with the film, but... Hey, the it's appropriate, why not? Yeah. Um, the, the quote is along the lines of, the Bene Gesserit have a saying, and that saying is that only children and the emotionally redundant want revenge. And it's pretty brutal, it's a pretty brutal saying. <laughs> Um, but in the scale of emotions, um, revenge is very, a very basic one. It's a very basic, yeah. um, it's at the bottom of the Relative. responses. Yeah. yeah, it's the initial response. Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot about us. It does, you can yeah, turn this on the inside, like you just said, turning it internally. Um, our desire for revenge says a lot about us. Um, and again, it's not so much the desire for revenge because that's that's probably normal. That it, it's it's do we follow through on it? Again, it's it's always the action that kind of shows the character. Like we're always gonna have those responses, like we're always gonna have things in us that we may feel aren't right. And that's probably where we kind good people again to be fair most people most people good kind of people we don't realize it's okay it's okay to feel that way like we have to accept that if we start punishing ourselves for feeling that we want to get revenge it's a negative it's only going to make us more hurt inside we're going to punish ourselves for feeling that thing being like oh i'm human it's good that i feel this emotion this is actually a healthy response as a human being, what do I do now? What do I do with this emotion? Do I go out there and enact revenge? Yeah, it's how about we go, it's how we go and do that? Do we go for the process of law or do we go do it ourselves? It'll all say about us, um, but it, I guess maybe it's intention. It always comes back to intention. Are we doing it to hurt the person? Because then that yeah. shows us that we're a hurtful person ourselves. Or are we doing it just yeah. so that we actually um, get justice and get back what we've lost? Because we've lost something in those situations. And it's okay to want that, that thing back or some something back to make up for that. Just how we go about it. So this question is what motivated me to do this episode in the first place. I realized that, um, uh, you know, I, I often use this model of different parts inside of me. It doesn't mean I have multiple personalities. It's just, um, you know, trying to, it's kind of like uh, Freud's, um, what is it, ego, super ego, and it, which I'm not very familiar with, but I, I think it, it, it's kind of parallel to that. Um, so in uh, internal family systems therapy, there's an inner child, a manager, who's constantly trying to control what the inner child does because it can't just go 
whatever, do whatever it wants. You know, that, that's not good. It has to be uh, kept under control. Um, and then there's a time limit. And because when the child and the manager just can't come to any agreement, then that's a situation where you act out rashly and you do things that will hurt you. Uh, like, uh, you know, dealing with pain in, in unproductive ways, like alcoholism, for example. Uh, or I should just say alcohol, because alcoholism is a, is a further step when it becomes you know, a, a routine, a dependence. But the, the fireman is, uh, you know, he, he quenches the fire uh, between the other two, which again is not ideal. You know, in an ideal world, you wouldn't need it, but it's natural and necessary at times. You know, it's, it's a good natural response to an inner conflict when your inner child just does not have a, a trusting, loving relationship with the manager. So I'm not saying the manager is bad either. They all have their purposes, uh, but they're called a family for a reason. <laughs> no, you need, they all play their roles and, and you need them to work in harmony to make progress. Uh, to, for example, get to a place where you're able to forgive other people for the, the wrongs they dealt you. And so the, the child is needed to, to feel good emotions, to be motivated, to have a drive to do anything. That's something I've noticed because my manager is very strong and suppresses the, the, the child-like part. Um, but the manager is also needed to make uh, judgments in things that the child is just oblivious to because the child is kind of impulsive, intuitive. <laughs> and so he's the, he's the adult side who keeps things calm and under control. You know, control can be a bad thing as in authoritarian, but it can also be a, a good thing as in, well, let's take a step back and think about this first. <laughs> and so when there is um, strife between those inner parts of you, then that often manifests in your outside world, in your dealings with other people. So self-hatred is something that we're usually oblivious to. You know, I, for the longest time, I didn't know what that even is. What does that mean? And, and self-love was also very uh, foreign to me. Um, I thought like the, the love I have for other people is very different from how I feel about myself. But that's because I was kind of numb to the conflict going on. I think I was suppressing it, and uh, my fireman had to had to be activated a lot, uh, and he still does. Uh, it's a it's not a matter of yes or no. It's it's a matter of degree. But I'm starting to have uh, I'm starting to be more in touch with the child, what the child needs and wants, and what the manager needs and wants, and I give them a voice. And I give them separate uh, voices. I don't want to say identity, but again, sounds <laughs> going too far. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. I get that. Like the split in our personalities is important to understand. Like, you know, we have a multiplicity of thoughts and um, emotions, and they come from different areas within us in terms of like, um, like you say, like again, childish nature or, you know, managerial nature or, you know, fireman nature where we, you know, want to be loved or want to control, again, in good terms, not just necessarily bad, and want to resolve. And being able to understand that is a massive step for any human being because most don't. Again, we, we, we tend to be going to be impulsive. And we're, I've constantly seen the self-hatred thing in others and throughout all my life until I was about 25, 26, mm, 27, 28, a bit later. Um, it wasn't until then that I, yeah, like I really was like, it's okay to love and appreciate myself, like my whole self. Like, you know, I knew there were good things about me beforehand and I hated the bad things. Like I hated the things I, I saw as bad. Now I don't see them as that. I just see them as things. They're just things in me that can just be better or that can be the same, it doesn't matter. Like, again, that love and that acceptance of who we are really takes the weight off of ourselves. Again, it's that mercy. That mercy is so much better within ourselves. So maybe it is better 
that we use it for others too. But then again, we are very good at being merciful to others and not being merciful to ourselves. So I, I heard a story once that really stuck with me. I when I was in when I was about 12, I was bullied a little bit. It wasn't very bad. I I got through it fine. Uh, it wasn't an ongoing thing. Uh, but I so in the story, there is one boy who gets bullied all the time. And he you know, it's a problem because adults often don't understand what, what children and, and teenagers go through in bullying, and, and they don't always find the, the best solution. Uh, and sometimes there is no easy solution. But the, the boy being bullied felt better when he was bullying other boys to respond to people. He, he wasn't, you know, he was probably not strong enough to stand up to his bully, which is what keeps the bullying going for one of the yep. things. But then he didn't, it didn't, being bullied didn't teach him to be more compassionate with others. It can do that. That is one possible response to the suffering. But it, it can also make you, like, harden you, like I mentioned earlier with the prison situation, uh, which causes you to, to make the same mistake. You know, why, do, why are some abusive patterns handed from one generation to the next, like from father to son to son to son? Yeah. And I feel like the same. Can be said for our internal system when we are hurt by someone from the outside we we might want to hurt them but often we don't get the chance and so what do we do to feel better we hurt ourselves or you know, a part of ourselves and in my case i noticed that recently how the manager will be a bully for the inner child and not be reasonable or, or compassionate and understanding for the needs of the child, but just say, it's not okay, you are at fault, even though <laughs> it's just the, the child creates circumstances where I do things that the manager will consider a mistake. And even though the child isn't cause, it is involved somehow, kind of like I was saying earlier, that, that person did something to trigger a pain inside of me, and so it's their fault. And in the same way, I sometimes think about my inner child. That inner child caused me to be, to make myself vulnerable, to enter a risky situation. And by risk, I mean anything that can hurt me the slightest. And so that you know, perfectionistic manager might say, we, we can no longer enter any situation with the least degree of risk of, of, of being hurt. And so we're going to be a hermit and we're just going to live off benefits and we're not going to take any emotional risk in life ever again. And I think people are pretty familiar with that. I, I don't think you need to be mentally ill to, to get to that, to, to at least understand that, that feeling. It's um, so easy to slip into that mentality because it's pain. Like we, we run from pain most often. And again, like if, if we can't, it's very difficult to actually find a scenario where we can vent that pain in a, the way we maybe want to the justice or manager or whatever wants to so again it goes internal um and we shut away that child and so that we're not vulnerable so we don't get hurt and we power is another thing we, we don't like to feel in control or to feel like we have the power um one of the biggest things for me to be able to, to function is is actually i got rid of that desire most of it not all of it because again it's real and it's and it fluctuates sometimes it comes back but that desire to not be hurt i'm like i'm okay if, if i get hurt i'm okay like it's it, you're going to be okay nothing's nothing's going to actually the worst case scenario if it happens you can deal with it I've convinced myself that, I've told myself that, and by doing that, it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I will be able to. Um, so repeating that and processing that over years um, has really helped me put myself into positions and situations that are crazy scary if I in the past. But now I'm like, you know what, if I embarrass myself or come across an idiot or if I actually say the wrong thing, you know what, it doesn't matter. Like people will just, people are in the same boat. People don't want to 
to say the wrong thing. People are scared too. Yeah. It actually just takes one person to show that and be okay with that for everyone else to suddenly be like, oh, I'm okay with it too. Actually, I've, I've, like one of my roles at my games club is the, to be the clown. Like I, I was like, I joke around and I laugh around and I, I'm stupid. And that, that is being myself. That's been my inner child. That is who I am, but I'm showing it. I'm allowing myself to show it. And some people will be like, oh, he's such a weirdo. That's bizarre. And other people are like, actually, you know what? I love that you're weird and do what you do because I'm able to express my that self of my side more as well because I feel comfortable and able to do that. And I think that's a very important lesson that I've learned over again, the last 10 years, if not my whole life, is it's okay once you get to that point of not being afraid to just be yourself because most of us, our complete personality spectrum is good. It's healthy. It's positive. We're not going to go out and eat someone or murder a child or do something to those extremes. But for some reason, putting ourselves out there feels so scary and makes us so vulnerable as if we are committing something like that. But actually, if we just take that step over time, because again, we're all different, you find yourself in its freedom. You feel free. Um, and it's it's remarkable how much it also helps others at the same time. Um, yeah. Outside yeah. of your comfort zone, there's growth waiting yeah. to be had. Yeah. In our own ways, in our own baby steps, but we have to push. We have to push. Otherwise, we resort to hiding our inner child and locking ourselves in our houses for six months to two years. It's pretty much what I did at one point. So. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And uh, I'm glad we can talk about this. It, you know, putting it out there, uh, just in words, but even public, um, is just the kind of thing that we're talking about. You know, doing something uncomfortable, at least for me, and yeah. uh, risky and vulnerable, and that will hopefully lead to growth. And if anyone out there has profited from this discussion, uh, you can let us know uh, by uh, commenting below. So thank you and see you next time. Cheers. Bye.